Hello and welcome to the next class. I'm Rob Birdsell, your host, and joined as always by wait, I'm confused. I've got two co-hosts here today. My usual Tom Birdford, but my Tom's predecessor, Rob Schneiders, the original co-host of the next class. Tom and Rob, welcome to the next class. Co-host emeritus or something? What is this? Uh, <laughs> That's great, great. Great to have you back on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. How have you guys so, been doing the past couple weeks? Good. I've been doing well, thank you. I've been doing well. How about you, Rob? Well, I, to our listeners who've been listening for the past couple years, I have to say I finally submitted to COVID. And um, yep. had, it was a knockdown, drag out, brutal experience. But anybody over 50, get your Paxlovid. I could not move for two days. The third day, I was ready to run a marathon. It was the most That's amazing. amazing. That's thing. amazing. I'm not to get too far into your medical history. Yeah, that first time. Like unicorn. Holy yeah. cow. First yeah. time, and I don't. I want it to be my last time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that was my big experience since our last podcast, Tom. But um, for our listeners that may not have remembered Rob Schneider's from season one, Rob um, has spent a long history in education. Uh, most recently is the Chief Academic Officer of Amerigo Education. Prior to that, he was the Associate Dean at the University of Chicago's Graham School, where he oversaw their online and continuing education programs. Uh, he's also done work at Northwestern at a firm called Deltec, where he led instructional design teams for university online programs all across the country, working with many Catholic universities, especially Jesuit universities. So, Rob, welcome back. Great to be with you. So what have you been doing since you left us at Amerigo? Well, I've been busy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am now uh, at Fairfield University and uh, as uh, Vice President of Online Strategy and Innovation there. So, um, you know, day job is really leading our online programs. They're mostly on the graduate side, um, but involved in a number of exciting initiatives, um, you know, including the launch of a new campus uh, designed to uh, serve some uh, students in, in the Bridgeport, Connecticut community. So we, we talk about whatever you want, but uh, that's what I've been doing. Well, Rob, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about that because changes in higher education have obviously been huge, um, particularly when it comes to online education, both before uh, COVID and also after. I know, you know, I do a lot of work with high schools and we've watched what's going on at higher ed for years. So what is what is Fairfield doing looking forward, um, particularly in terms of online education? What are, what are some of the plans that, uh, that you see? Yeah, I think it's, a, a you know, your mention of, um, you know, the last couple of years, right? I, you know, whether it's yeah. at the secondary level or, you know, companies, but certainly higher education um, was thrust into uh, sort of an emergency response with online, right? And I, yeah. I, I know from our conversations with, you know, principals and professors and everyone that, um, you know, everyone's got an impression now about online, but it, it, it's really important to sort of unpack what are they, what are they calling online, right? So, yeah. you know, as, as Rob Birdsell mentioned, I, I've been involved in the early days of, um, you know, really being an, an ambassador for the, the modality, right? And um, trying to convince, you know, just, just as with uh, in-person education, there's there's good and bad, right? And and we've we've been through it all, um, but the same is true of online, certainly, right? It's um, a modality that we're we're still in the early days of, I think, really fully capitalizing and appreciating. But for Fairfield, 
Um, you know, the university began about two years ago. Um, and, you know, for universities, this is really, you know, a mandatory element of education delivery. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, and, and quite often it's at, at the graduate side. Um, but, you know, universities across the country and across the world are, are doing interesting work in short form programs and, you know, um, reaching alternative, you know, different audiences than before. Right. Um, we look at this really as a way to um, extend the reach of, of Fairfield into some new disciplines, some new populations. Um, you know, our, our undergraduate uh, community is well established. Our, our graduate programs are growing. Um, and, and like a lot of, you know, Robert Sell mentioned Jesuit universities that um, over the last 20 years have been growing graduate programs. Uh, that's really where Fairfield sees online playing and is helping us to kind of grow the graduate ranks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, and do you have online undergraduate too, or is it the focus really graduate? Yeah, we do not currently. So of course, you know, during COVID wow. there was a lot of, um, you know, mixed mode learning, but, um, yeah, the, we're, we're very much a residential experience in the undergraduate side. Um, and that'll probably, you know, that'll probably continue. Um, you know, there, there are some, um, you know, for, for schools that have as a purpose, you know, sort of a mission identity around outreach, there's, you know, perhaps not the, the standard form factor of, of the degree, but all kinds of really interesting outreach activities that can be done online. So, you know, there we might do that even, you know, at younger levels than undergraduate and undergraduate, but the, the formal degree programs focus is really graduate for online. Interesting, courses. interesting. So you mentioned this new college, new campus. Um, can you can you share with us what, what that's all about? Yeah, so I'm um, really exciting. I mean, you know, more to come in the next couple of months. In fact, in terms of public announcements, um, but so this is um, what we're referring to as Fairfield Bellarmine. Um, there are you know your listeners and, and viewers might know of um, you know sort of similar initiatives that were initiated by Loyola University or St. Thomas in Minnesota. And the idea is really to, you know, to provide access to a Jesuit, you know, undergraduate education experience to a population that um, from an affordability standpoint and a support standpoint really hasn't had the opportunity at scale to um, engage in that. And so um, learning from the, the forerunners at, you know, Loyola and elsewhere, um, we're embarking on a similar initiative. Um, so this will be a, a two year program um, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, this is designed to serve students that they may or may not be first generation, but they will all have demonstrated financial needs. So mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the average family outlay will be on the order of a thousand dollars a year. Um, so, you know, using, wow. uh, you know, federal and our own, um, our own programs really trying to dramatically reduce the, the cost. But, you know, I think there's been a lot of work in, um, higher education over the, the last, uh, great work. In fact, you know, over the last 30 plus years, you know, expanding access, but, um, our, our initiative is really about ensuring outcomes. And so what we're doing specifically at the two-year level is embedding professional internships, specializations. Um, the associate's degree that students will get is actually offered by our colleges. So students will have an opportunity to specialize in business or engineering um, and other programs as well, even in that two-year experience. Then they'll have the opportunity to either you know move on to their uh, chosen career and profession, um, or to move on to whether it's uh, Fairfield or another university for the third. Ah, uh, okay. Year. To go on, to go on for the full yeah. full bachelor's. Yeah. Okay. Undergrad degree. That's yeah. Right. 
And, you know, and there's been some great success early on. You know, I mentioned the other universities and, uh, you know, we're just excited to, you know, serve a population that uh, really has not had the opportunity to, you know, to pr participate in a, in a university at scale like like Fairfield. And Rob, why, um, why not on campus? Why, um, uh, I forgot where you said it's going to be, but Bridgeport, why in Bridgeport, Bridgeport. Not, not on campus? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question, and and it's um, you know for us uh, there are some practicalities that lead us to consider um, you know an alternative location. We're you know as I mentioned, we're also learning from the work that Loyola and and, and uh, St. Thomas have done, but you know accessibility to public transportation is a major driver. Um, yeah. We also play um, you know a really lasting and and deep role in the you know engagement with the community in bridgeport so you know we're looking to to learn from community members from you know organizations both corporations and nonprofit organizations that work in that area so you know we see it as as accretive to the broader mission that we have around diversity and equity and inclusion um and not competitive right so we're also looking to simultaneously um enroll more uh more students of color students with need um it, you know generally at fairfield um, and we're interested to see, you know, if we provide full access to all the opportunities that, you know, both of our campuses have to offer, you know, career services, you know, all, all of that, um, how we can kind of build the, the two up together. Yeah. And um, have you guys, I know early on with Rupe at Loyola, there was talk about the work study program from Cruz Ray as a critical component. They subsequently did not do that for a number of reasons. You mentioned internship. Did you guys, are you considering uh, a work-study program for, you know, financial reasons, but also for experiential reasons? Yeah, so not during the core academic year necessarily, though the schedule is set up so that there are mornings or afternoons, depending on a rotating basis, to allow for that. Our, our focus is really in between the first and second year. There will be a professional internship there will be a paid internship. And so we're really recruiting a network of organizations. They're going to um, sponsor these students for that, that kind of intervening nice. um, yeah. summer. Yeah. So, you know, uh, they can be, um, you know, students will be working for sure. Um, but we're not, we're not taking a model that, you know, is, is more sort of um, uh, mandatory that like a Crystal Ray would have. It's really fitting it around the schedule in, in the year yeah. and, and going yeah. deep in the summer. Yeah. I mean, Rob, I think it's great. And it, <laughs> In one sense, you know, I'm Catholic. It makes me proud to be Catholic because clearly this is an initiative of an established university to reach out and serve those who may not have easy access to high quality education and to provide it, which is a big piece of what we do as church. And you see that in Catholic higher education. So kudos to you guys for uh, for reaching out in that regard. It's uh, critical to our mission and sounds like um, you're making some headway in that regard. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're we're really 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 excited about it and uh you know I, I think there'll be a lot of learning that comes out of it and we'll you know we'll iterate as we go but uh you yeah. know we're just yeah just very excited about the initiative yeah so is, Rob, I'm, yeah what, go ahead Rob. What, what is the launch Rob? yeah so we're gonna um have the first students start in uh september of 2023 um so you know recruiting is underway um for that first class we, you know we envision this as roughly 100 students per year um at at scale mm -hmm. um so you know it's uh you know it's a, it's a pretty um it's about you know a size that we're confident that we can really you know attend to the all of the needs that students are going to have and, and deliver a great experience 
That's great. So, Rob, I want to, I've got a sort of more technical question from my own experience because you've got a lot of experience in designing and starting programs that have an online educational element. Um, and about 10, 15 years ago, when I was working in the Archdiocese of Washington, I tried that. And in some sense, it went poorly, right? So my, my question is, is, is what advice do you have for people who want to deliver education in whatever their content area is in an online way? And for us, it was a, we were trying to design a, um, a training program for Catholic school teachers to form them in faith. And we met up with some technology people at firm and said, hey, we've got content, you've got delivery, help us design a proper online system that has embedded video and this and this and this. And it was a complete bear. And mm -hmm. to be frank, I wish that someone larger had done this at a super high quality and we just bought it off the shelf, right? So I bit off more than I could chew. And I'm curious, what advice do you have for people who are in that situation? Because a lot of people hear about online education, and think, well, I can do that. I can start something. I can put my own content out there. What, what advice would you have for people who are in that situation? Yeah, there, there, boy, there's so much in there, Tom. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I think that um, two things that I would I would pick up on immediately from from your description of that. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you, you're, you're using the word content, but you really mean learning experience, right? But yeah, yes. I, I think that is a problem that, you know, I often see, um, you know, from, from whether it's a first time online instructor or new initiatives, you know, they're, they're thinking of this as, right, that, that transmission of, of content. And, and it's just, you know, you get really tied up in how, how are we going to do the video? You know, what, what's the platform? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's really quite important to think about the nature of the learning experience you're trying to engender and, and make sure that it, um, you know, that it's faithful to what you would do in person, for instance, right? And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, so it kind of starts with that. I mean, this, the second thing is, to your point about that audience and, and trying to, um, you know, some of the outcomes were around formation of faith and it was a population that you've worked with before. I think there's a lot around, um, you know, what that group of learners really wants and needs and, um, you know, how are we going to reach them and engage them and, and sustain the effort? I mean, it's, um, it's convenient to be online. It's, you know, it's great. Yeah. So that's kind of a minimum. But I think there's often things that we as teachers or we as learners um, could miss if, if we're not properly attending to the design of the online experience. Um, right. And so, you know, I, I think those are a couple of starting points. But, um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've really used over the course of my career and working with instructional designers is this notion of the community of inquiry. Right. And, and you, you may have heard of this. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a theory that's been around for a while. And. Um, and it, and it's, it simply looks at a few different areas of presence. And I find that actually it's nicely related to sort of Ignatian pedagogy and cure personalis and this whole, you know, reflection, communication. But the main element of this community, sorry to go too deep. No, on this, no, this, is, yeah. But the, the main aspect of community of inquiry, I think, is really profoundly useful for those that are embarking on an online initiative um, is really social presence. And by that, we mean does the individual have a way to fully express themselves in a variety of means, right? Like how do we stimulate community? Because no question the instructor is going to come through, right? The, the content's going to be there. But, you know, in the early days of online, it was pretty flat, right? It was a lot of, you yeah. know, a message board and you're interacting and there's some, yep. you know, and, and, you know, I think in fairness, some of the, some of the critique we 
we could have of, of, of education writ large, right? What's easy to assess is sometimes what gets taught, yeah. you know, um, multiple choice, you know, certainly that was true of online, right? Um, so I think the hallmark of, of really great and engaging online is really that kind of notion of social presence. And, and I think if you're talking to learners along the way or formally surveying, you want to hear them saying things like, I really you know, felt like I understood my fellow learners and who they were. Mm -hmm. um, I, I got to understand people differently through this process. Um, I'll share with you, I, I had the opportunity to build one, an early learning management system. And um, this was years ago, right? But yeah. in, the, in the first days of online, you, you tended not to see pictures of people, right? Uh, yeah. It was just like sort of names. And, um, and, and we started to put identity in, you know, in visual form into things like, you know, discussions. And I, it was very interesting, the reaction we had to that, right? And I think we're well beyond this, but professors would say, um, I kind of like the anonymity. Like, I just love this person's <laughs> ideas and I really relish that and, and not, right? Not, and so, um, you know, I think it's, it, it's important, and this is, I'll end with this. I, I you know, I apologize for long-winded answer, no, but no. It, it's important to not kind of pave the cow path, right? To, to say, okay, here, how do we do the, the, the on-ground thing in this new technology-mediated way, right? It's one of the new advantages of this that really can help us create some new kinds of learning. I think that, you know, as, as instructors, we can miss that moment of insight, that sort of aha moment, right? But but there's all kinds of different new ways that you can you can both inspire that and and observe that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyway, it's, no, that, it's, uh, it's just different, right? No, I mean, Rob, that's so significant because I can I can see and feel how far we've come since I attempted this 10, probably about 12 years ago now, in terms of the things that you've said, which, you know, are, are so key in terms of, um, you know, that community aspect and also engaging people in what they want to learn. You know, 10, 15 years ago, I know in my situation, we were much more focused, focused on what we we thought people needed to know. But we took less time saying, what do you need to know? And this is adults, right? And just some mistakes. And it's an infant system, but um, your points bring out, I think, how much we've progressed, how much has learned, and how much thought needs to go into the the learner experience and the goals. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, Tom, you know, one, one thing also from what you said is I, you know, I, I wish that I had the opportunity just to take something off the shelf that was great, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is still part of the problem, right? Because, you know, as schools or teachers, you know, we're tending to sort of reinvent the wheel rather than creating a few great experiences, Absolutely. right? Yep. So things like adaptive learning, right, that really do meet that learner need exactly where they are or, you know, really interesting social simulation, multiplayer type things. You know, these are expensive to create. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, our, our system of, you know, publishers kind of ruling the roost with this and and, you know, has not helped us. Right. And, yeah. you know, I think organizations like Catholic Virtual High School, like through the power of networks, and having some potential to have large scale adoption of great experiences, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's that sort of thing, right? Um, still highly collaborative and, and not cookie cutter, yep. right? But, but more than any one teacher could, could hope to do on their own, I think is where we'll get to eventually. Yeah. Ah, that's great, thank you. We're gonna take a brief pause and hear a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. 
Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. We develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of our partner schools and their students. Visit our website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. Rod, that was really interesting and, and leads me to sort of the next question. You, you have a unique perspective for this conversation with your decades of experience in higher ed, but most recently in secondary ed, Catholic secondary education. Um, taking your two experiences there in higher ed online, but the past five years in secondary Catholic education, um, where do you see online playing a role in secondary Catholic education going forward? You know, if you were to look out the next five years, what what do you see impact the role of, of online in Catholic secondary education? That's a big question. <laughs> it is. I, you know, I, I think, and I know that, you know, you're both experts in this. And so I'll just try to offer, you know, my, my perspective. I, I think that, um, you know, the real opportunity for me is, um, you know, if I'm a student, you know, sitting in Chicago at a, you know, a, a, a Catholic high school, a Catholic grade school, um, you know, I, I'm sure that there are phenomenal teachers there and that there's deep expertise, right? But, but there's un questionably in any grade school pockets where, you know, I, I remember in fifth grade at a, you know, a pretty average public school in, in the Detroit area, I finished the math book in, in December and I came up to the teacher and I said, what's next? And he said, I guess sixth grade. And I was like, well, that's not a very good answer. I think I'll slow down. Right? <laughs> and, and, and it's that kind of thing, right? Whether it's like meeting learners with unique needs, maybe it's attending to the passion a student has for a subject um, allowing students to accelerate, um, meet other learners around the world, right? Solve problems. I, I think that, you know, beyond just access to things like, you know, advanced placement and hard to teach, find courses, right? In some areas, um, I think the real potential is how we can start to bring the real world into our classrooms, right? And I, I tried to pitch this idea to unsuccessfully to some principals during COVID because they had their hands full. But I said, hey, maybe this is the opportunity to take a couple of your subjects, um, go block schedule, right? Kids are at home. Um, why don't we go interdisciplinary meets real world with this? And, you know, let's patch a scientist from NASA into yeah. consider, you know, the ethical implications of, of AI. You know, um, there was too much to handle at that point in time, right? But with proper planning, I mean, I think that's how school systems, archdioceses, you know, groups like yours can really start to, you know, let's reconsider the, you know, the bell schedule. Let's reconsider, you know, this curriculum recognizing right, of course, that colleges are going to, you know, it's all chained together. Um, but I think, I think that's the, the kind of the thing that's right around the corner is, is um, real world mm. engagement um, for students. Well, you just look at what the way we used to do podcasts from, you know, we had a studio time in our old office and guests would come to our office and into right. our studio. Now we're all at home and, um, you know, instead of a three hour ordeal, it's a 45 minute podcast right. experience. And, and you just think about, I, I, I totally agree with you on bringing experts into the classroom. Um, when I was teaching, uh, I taught a course called banned books on censorship. And I would have a lawyer and alum who was a First Amendment scholar and lawyer come in and talk to them. But it, for him, it was a it was a half day. Yeah. You know, he had to you know block off a whole half day. That's asking a lot. He'd do it once a year, but 
Now you could get like world renowned experts to zoom in for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, we talked, yeah, we Sorry, talked Tom. a little bit about um, uh, religious orders who are short on um, religious priests, uh, nuns, brothers, um, and how can they use technology to move them around within their systems of schools, even globally, uh, and keep a clear charism globally through usage of technology, which is just another example of, of that. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think that that is um, such an interesting topic, right? Because um, again, there's there's we're not looking to replace in-person interactions, but from a, um, a consistency and, and from an access point of getting to meet some of the leaders, you know, in the field, in the, you know, um, it, it's, uh, I, you know, I think one of the challenges to be solved is really a, a pretty mundane one about adoption, right? Whether it's adoption of curriculum or, you know, the way that our, our, our academic years flow one to the next, some of this, you almost need to pause and, and, you know, really give some, some intentional time for, for design as a school leader, um, as a teacher, to kind of get out of that day to day, it's, or it's never going to happen, right? I mean, I right. think that that's part of the challenge is we, you know, we're a bit like an, an airport or airlines, right? Like, you know, if you make it through that day and 4.5% of the planes were delayed or whatever, like, I mean, every day is so challenging, right? Yeah. Um, how do you make that space for, for really evolutionary, revolutionary kind of innovation? Well, and that's exactly what we've been talking about, um, Rob, Rob Birdsell on the next class, right? Um, so uh, we've been talking about how do you transform the way we deliver education in various modalities? Um, yeah. You know, Rob, I um, want to respect your time here, but uh, I do. I was thinking about this question as you're talking. Um, if you remember uh, in Park City uh, at the ILE seminar, uh, Kent Hickey and I gave a talk about the fourth R. Uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, and relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of us realized how important relationship was going to become, you know, a year after that 2019 convening. And how, talk to, me, talk to us and our listeners about relationship in online education. Uh, I think it's obvious when you're in person that the fundamental relationship between teacher and student is so critical. I think when everyone is remote, that was one of the reasons for, you know, learning loss, also mental health issues was a loss of relationship, not only with teacher, but with friends. Uh, can you talk about relationship in online, in an online environment? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that in, in looking at the three of us, you know, I mean, I think we all composed papers on typewriters, you know, at, at one point. <laughs> and I know for me, it was hard to consider sitting down at a word processor and, and writing originally, right, without having drafted it out. And, and, and I think when we think about even relationship and, and different sort of, um, you know, technologies or in person, I, I think it's really, you know, that that has moved so quickly, right, across Gen Z, etc. Um, so, you know, there, I, I, I think it's not to, it's not to discount certain forms of community and relationship or others, or even even look to kind of like contrast them. I think it's all important, right? Like we know how to do it well in person with the correct kind of conditions and climate and time and right. and intent, right? Um, but but the, we we also know, it's just that not all of us know, like how to how to form community and, and keep community going in a completely technology mediated way, right? Like look at 
things like Twitch. Look at things like Reddit. I'm not saying that all of these are necessarily 100% constructive, you know, 24 hours a day, but there are people that would, would make really strong arguments that you can have relationship, you can have communities not having ever met this, this person or, or knowing only their avatar, right? Like, and um, I, I just I just think it's like that typewriter word processor thing and, and uh, there's not a right or wrong. Now, I, I think that um, it's it's very, very difficult to, um, from a top-down standpoint, try to establish a community brand new online. Like, it, it is more about, like, letting the learner drive and find their spaces mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so it is hard to consider how to how to do it, you know, in a top-down way. But but I, I guess that's the only thing I would say is, like, it, it is happening, right? And and, and I, I guess I would argue that both are great, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, we all are hungry for in-person. You know, I think one of the things we'll see coming out of this, though, is, um, you know, a twofold effect of, of COVID. One, because there's an impression, an expectation, curiosity that online is there for various reasons, right? Um, so that's kind of more of a given now, right? And, and an exciting given. Um, and I think there's a certain hunger for in-person interaction as well, right? Um, for sure. And, um, you know, I think we got to, we got to make sure we, we do both well. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, as you certainly know more than probably any of our guests, the final question that we ask all of our listeners, <laughs> and if you've forgotten this, I'm so disappointed. Uh, Favorite teacher. I, 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 okay. I didn't know if you were still on this. Yeah. We, every guest for three Absolutely. years. Who is your favorite That's teacher and why? I think maybe Rob. Last time I, I I have so many, right? I last time I might have given you um, Sister Cecilia, who knew the biology book by you know page number and could tell you know. <laughs> um, but um, I I uh, gosh, there's so much. I, and if I can, I'll give you one and a half, right? Like, so, um, shout out to to Dr. Krause, my uh, 19th century American lit professor at Northwestern, that was so excited about Faulkner that literally he would spit on you in the front rows. Like, I mean. The, the passion behind that. I mean, that man was incredible. Um, but uh, no, I think, I think I'll pay tribute today to uh, Sister Cynthia, my, my high school French instructor, um, who, who um, had this uh, amazing way of like figuring out who individuals were. I, I had many different detentions, which at the time we called justice under God at my particular high school. I don't know if that's the Jug. case. Jug, of because course. I was trying to live, I was trying to live by the preppy handbook at the time and I didn't wear socks. She sadly thought I couldn't afford socks, and she gave me two pair of socks. I don't even know how she came upon these, right? Wow. She never asked me. She just gave me the socks, and I, and from that day, I didn't get detention. I was just wearing, I was just wearing those socks and trying to figure out what went with purple argo, argo, you know. That's great. Yeah. Was that a what order was that, sister? So, uh, so she, um, oh gosh, I, and I think you've asked me this. I, I think that she was Franciscan. Franciscan. It, uh, is that would that be fair? Yeah, I think. Um, be, yeah. I think yeah. so. It was you know it was a parish parish school in uh, yeah. Detroit area. That's um, great. Yeah, That's great. So, <laughs> and it's, it's great hearing you talk about Ignatian pedagogy, rather. I'm going to have to tell the Amerigo team that you've con been converted by the Jesuits. Oh yeah, <laughs> I. I uh, I, I love that stuff. So, um, yep, no, it's fun to think about how to how to make sure it lives uh, through the online stuff. That's so, great. Well, Rob, thank you for coming back to the next class. To our listeners, if you like today's discussion, give us a thumb thumbs up, a rating, share this with your family and friends. 
and we hope to see you again in a week or two on the next class.